Welcome, welcome everyone. This is Brandon Hubbard with your weekly podcast where we take a look at some of the news and notes from around the Yukon sports world as well as uh, the sports world in general. Uh, an interesting few weeks. I missed a podcast last week, so we'll take a look back at Yukon football's loss to Iowa State as well as recap their win over Buffalo before we look ahead to Western Michigan. Big East presidents are set to meet this weekend, so we'll look at that and see what, what's coming out of there from around the media world, what the speculation is. Uh, as I record this podcast, podcast right now boston and tampa bay fighting for the al wildcard spot and st louis and atlanta battling for the nl so i won't be able to comment on those on this podcast but i'm sure we'll look at them next time we'll do a big east outlook as well as a review of the games from the big east we missed this weekend as well as an update on the yukon soccer team and uh new this week my new favorite bit that we'll do every week and by every week i mean when it suits me and when i'm in a good mood the randy edsel football check-in we will do that this week i will let you know how he's faring at his new school in maryland um and i'll share with you one of my favorite favorite quotes all time from an announcer during a football game and it came at randy edsel and the terrapins expense so please stay tuned for all of that coming up on the podcast this week The UConn soccer team continues to impress with a double overtime victory over Yale on Tuesday the 27th. UConn is now 9-0 on the season and is now ranked number one in the country. In this young season, UConn already has five wins over ranked teams. And the last time they gave up a goal was when they faced then number seven, California, when they won that game 4-1. to So UConn playing some amazing soccer here in stores, ranked number one in the country. It's the highest ranking they've had in a long time, and the aspirations for this team are through the roof after last season's disappointing loss in the NCAA tournament in the first round on penalty kicks. So we'll see how this young soccer team continues to do heading further into the season, but a phenomenal start here. 9-0 and to start the year. Number one in the country. They started this season ranked number five and have progressively shown that they are the best team in the country. They were number two last week. They jumped Maryland to become number one in the country. I'll keep you updated on them as the season progresses, but exciting stuff here from the UConn men's soccer team as they look to capture another national championship this year. As we move ahead in this podcast, let's look at the UConn football team. Two weeks have gone by since I've given a podcast. If you've been keeping up with the blog, some of my thoughts and notes from those games are up there, but we'll do a quick recap on those games for you here as well. In week three, UConn played Iowa State, a game where I predicted UConn would win 24-21. The final score, 24-20 in favor of Iowa State. So I was very close in terms of the score. Unfortunately for us UConn fans, my predictions don't really matter when the final score is announced. So UConn a loser to Iowa State. They fell to 1-2 and two on the season, heading into last weekend's game against Buffalo, a game where UConn still offensively could get nothing going, but managed to win 17-3 to on the back of their defense and special teams play, and two huge plays from Nick Williams. McAtee had a better game than he has had 
still a subpar percentage wise of completions at 12 of 21 and Niebrick the only other player who threw a pass he was 0 for 1 so it appears that Paul Pascaloni has decided on McAtee as his starting quarterback he said as much in the press conference this week I'm not sure I agree with the decision none of the quarterbacks have looked great Scott McCummings has as many touchdown passes as Johnny McAtee does in about 100 fewer attempts I just don't know what Pascaloni is seeing from him he said he can read the defenses better I would be okay with that if he hadn't hasn't thrown as many interceptions as he has McAtee has four interceptions and two touchdowns I just when you look at his completion percentage he's 43 for 90 on the year it's just under 50 percent I just don't know why he's sticking with this player versus anyone else Scott McCummings has thrown four passes in his young college career he's completed two of them so his percentage is higher than McAtee's and also both of them were for touchdowns so his passer rating is significantly higher than Johnny McAtee's so I don't know when you're looking at that I guess it's something he sees in practice but if he sees something in practice and what's happening in practice isn't translating to the games I don't know how you justify sticking with that the rushing attack against Buffalo I don't know how you solve the problem of them putting 10 guys in the box to stop the rushing attack if you even have one receiver out you're already outmatched in terms of blockers to rushers so it's really hard to figure that out Lyle McCombs had one of the worst games he's had it just it's so hard for me to to piece together what to do with this team especially heading into this weekend when they're facing an offense that can put points on the board they struggled last weekend against Illinois Western Michigan did but Illinois is a good team this year in the Big Ten so I don't know I don't know what they're gonna do other things bothering UConn four of 15 on third down they had 213 yards passing but that's not good enough and and like I said the completion percentage is not there the only time UConn scored were on long pass plays to Nick Williams where they're short slant routes and he does the rest of the work he looked like Wes Welker out there and you know as a coach you see that you put him in the game on offense more and you let him you get the ball in his hands more because he's clearly our best offensive weapon and the problem is I don't know if our quarterbacks can get him the ball enough to make big plays against better teams there are some great teams in the Big East this year and by there are some I mean there are two and everyone else is mediocre to poor so there are two teams in the Big East that are going to completely shut down what you wants to do on offense and they're going to have to find ways to win at the quarterback position and I'm not sure McAtee can do that in a game what McAtee has shown me so far this year is that he's progressing but he's also a junior versus a a freshman and the freshmen just look like they're on the same page as McAtee is and I don't know how you justify leaving McAtee in in that situation he's shown he's inaccurate he's shown he has trouble hitting receivers at times he's shown he can be erratic and throw interceptions at the worst possible times in the game of course referencing his pick six against Vanderbilt when you're up by seven that's a pass you just cannot make it cannot be made and he did it and instead of the coaches going back and starting a different quarterback and getting a different quarterback in rhythm McAtee played almost the entire game against Iowa State he didn't take all but 10 snaps maybe I mean the other guys only threw six so and Scott McCummings who is one of the best quarterbacks according to his stat line which is two of four also has carried the ball 27 times for 63 yards he's the second leading rusher on this team so he's a dynamic quarterback that can do things on the ground and through the air why not give him a shot as the leader of the team there has to be something Pascalone is seeing that we're not seeing and unfortunately for us fans it's hard to see this and not say it needs to be someone else fortunately for the Huskies some big things are happening in the receiving core finally someone is taking the reins and becoming the go-to guy other than Ryan Griffin because Ryan Griffin is a great great tight end 
but he should not be the leading receiver on the team. He just, he needs to be in there blocking for Lyle McCombs or DJ Shoemate, whoever's in the game. It's just it's hard for me to see him as the leading receiver in every game that he's played in almost. So Isaiah Moore stepped up big the last two games. He is now the leading receiver, both receptions and yards. He doesn't have a touchdown yet this year, but those will come as the quarterback gets more comfortable, hopefully, and gets more accurate and gets his timing down with the receivers. I do like that Pascaloni has finally named a starting quarterback. I don't think it's the right one, but I'm not the coach, so I don't have a problem with him picking someone else. What I have a problem with is having three guys be the starter quote unquote and having them split reps I think it hurt the dynamic of the team I wrote about it I podcasted about it I talked about it last week the last time and the time before that he needs to get as many reps in with the wide receivers as is humanly possible during practice before a game and the only way to do that is to name someone a starter so I'm very happy finally that he's named McAtee his starter I just don't think it's the right one but like everything else I'm going to put my trust in the coach and the coaching staff and let them do their work and then criticize them later on Um, as we look ahead to next week as UConn plays Western Michigan at home a game that's on at 330 should be a good game western michigan clearly has a scoring capacity that buffalo does not which concerns me they've scored 38 and 44 20 and 10 so if they get into a rhythm they can score a lot of points quickly if they don't if the defenses can hold them and get them out of their sink they tend to struggle they lost 34 to 10 at michigan to start the year that game of course called by weather which was a very strange situation and uh that game never finished so michigan had a potential of scoring more points on this team UConn is not at Michigan's level though yet and offensively they don't have a weapon like Denard Robinson so this this matchup is a concern for me I think UConn can win this game just like they could have won any of the games they've been a part of I just think that Western Michigan's passing attack poses a unique problem that they haven't seen this year. They are 98th in the country, statistically, in rushing yards a game, which would be UConn's strength defensively. And they are 42nd in passing. And against a team like UConn, where we pretty much run two defensive backs and then linebacking core to cover anyone else who goes out to pass, if they spread out and run a spread offense against this UConn Huskies team, I think the defense is really going to have trouble with it. So that's an interesting thing to watch for in this game if you look at UConn's numbers on the year it's not pretty in terms of where they rank statistically offensively 88th in passing 91st in rushing something you never thought you'd say and 92nd overall in points for they are getting close to the bottom in every statistical category offensively defensively they're 13th in the nation in points allowed that's huge I mean granted it stems from Fordham only scoring three points in a game but they held Buffalo to three they held Vanderbilt to 24 they held Iowa State to 24 offense is the problem for this team and it has been for a long time but even the running game isn't carrying us anymore because the offensive line is getting moved around they can't figure out where to put guys to fix this because there's no way to fix this problem without a passing attack and so without a passing attack this game is a guaranteed loss against western michigan with a passing attack i think they might i with a solid passing game in this game with a solid passing game this week uconn can really take advantage of this team they give up a lot of points against good competition they gave up 34 at michigan which i mentioned and that game got ended early they gave up 23 to illinois and illinois really struggled in that game so that could have been a blowout as well so with a great attack offensively with a good game plan uconn can certainly take advantage of this and move to three and two a place i'm not really comfortable with them with at i I talked about it before i don't know that this team can make a bowl with within the big east they're in the mediocre category as is most of the big east so a lot of the big east games are going to be good but they 
also play on the road at West Virginia, at Pitt, at Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the best passing attack in the Big East besides West Virginia, which is hard to believe because B.J. Daniels at USF is pretty solid. USF comes here, so those are potential four potential losses. I I think they can beat Pitt. I think they can beat Cincinnati. USF is an interesting matchup for us. I don't know how that one plays out just yet. I'll think on it some more. I'll get back to you, but I think think West Virginia at West Virginia is going to be too much for this team. Gino looked amazing in the loss to LSU. That game got out of hand quickly and it wasn't his fault at all. The The play calling at the end was a little suspicious when LSU got a pick six on a screen pass. They saw it right from the lineup. The announcer saw it. He called it too. So Les Miles knew what was coming and they decided to run it anyway and a kickoff return for a touchdown. went. The game went from being six points to being 20 points in a big hurry and West Virginia could just just never recover from that. In the third quarter, West Virginia was only down by six. It was 21-27, and they looked like they were ready to take LSU down. And unfortunately for them, a couple plays went their way, and then their spirit just wasn't there to fight. So UConn right now, looking at three and two, if they win this game, they have four games that are potential losses to me right away. At Cincinnati, at Pittsburgh, at West Virginia, and South Florida at the Wrenchler here in Hartford. And then they also play Louisville, Syracuse and Rutgers. Those are all games they can and should win. Rutgers is the worst team in the Big East. Syracuse almost lost to Toledo this week in a shootout that shouldn't have been a shootout. Syracuse's defense is better than that, and UConn's defense is better than Toledo's, so it probably won't look like that on the final scorecard, but UConn should win that game, and then Louisville at home. Louisville is having trouble in the in the spotlight this year. They've won against Kentucky, their in-state rival. It's the first time they've done that in a few years, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, UConn, right? now with the win this weekend looks to me to be a seven and five six and six team and they would have to rely on an at-large bowl bid not one associated with the Big East Conference whereas if they go seven and five they might get an automatic to the last bowl game because it doesn't look like a lot of Big East schools are going to go I think Cincinnati does I think South Florida West Virginia do Pitt doesn't look like it can do it this year and and so everyone will be fighting for the bottom tier bowl games UConn needs to win a Big East game on the road this year which I know is going to be tough but they also need to take care of business at home which hasn't been a problem for them except against Iowa State. Iowa State was the first home loss for this Huskies team since two years ago. They were undefeated at home last year. They come Iowa State comes in plays much better than UConn did. The offense again is just miserable at times this year. It's really hard to watch because they should be dominating these games with the way the defense is playing so it's just a matter of talent and execution at this point. I think the talent's there. Nick Williams got the ball two times late in the Buffalo game, took one to the house and took one all the way down to the one-yard line that set up the go-ahead score to go ahead 10-3, to and Buffalo was just not able to do anything against the defense, and unless UConn has those two big plays, that's a much closer game, which is really disappointing, but that's how it, that's how it looks to me right now. Without better execution on the offensive end, without better hands from the receiving core, because at times they look like they can't catch a pass when it's actually on time, and that may be because they're cold because the balls are never there, but when they are, they need to catch them. And Nick Williams proved to be the go-to guy at this point in the offense, besides Ryan Griffin and Isaiah Moore, who are the two guys who are leading the team in catches 
besides Nick Williams' two big plays. So Nick Williams was always a punt returner, kickoff return guy. He's special teams, but he's proven to be one of the better offensive talents as well. And then another concern for me for the whole UConn team is that, you know, Dave Taggart last year was the go-to guy to score at all times. He's five of eight this year. And that may be because we've asked him to hit four 40 to 49 yard kicks, but he's one of four from that range, 40 to 49, which was not his struggle area ever. And he's two of two from 50 plus. So he's got the range. I just don't know. He he had one blocked, but you know, five of eight is not going to do it, especially when your offense is having as much trouble as this UConn team is having. So that'll be key as we head into the, the future games. And I think UConn wins this Western Michigan game. I think they win 24 to 17. That'll be my prediction for this week. And uh, we'll look ahead to the Big East games coming up this weekend in just a minute. The Big East kicks off its conference schedule this weekend as South Florida takes on Pittsburgh in the Thursday night game. Should be a great matchup. Those two teams have had some good games in the past. South Florida looks like they're the second best team in the Big East right now. West Virginia clearly has that title in my book. I don't think Pitt has a great chance in this game, but we'll see. Rutgers and Syracuse face off in a battle of the bottom feeders in the Big East. It's just um, Syracuse looked like they took some big steps last year. I don't know if that's necessarily true this year the one great team they played USC who turned out to be not that great when they lost to Arizona State really brought everyone back to a realization of where they are as well as a program they beat Syracuse pretty handedly 34-17 so we'll see which one of these Big East teams can push ahead to maybe the seventh spot versus the eighth Louisville plays Marshall Cincinnati plays Miami of Ohio and Bowling Green plays West Virginia in order to keep the uh the Big East boat afloat in terms of national perception. Right now, the Big East is a little bit behind the Mountain West in terms of conference ratings, according to ESPN. But I'm not sure that's the national perception. I think everyone agrees that the Big East is the worst of the automatic qualifiers. But I don't know if anyone's really ready to say that top to bottom, the Mountain West is better than the Big East. Out of conference games like Miami of Ohio and Marshall and Bowling Green, really the Big East needs to clean these up. And Connecticut's part of that. The MAC has no business beating a Big East team if and when the Big East continues to be an automatic qualifying conference, which is a big if right now, considering all the shifting that's going on in college football. This, of course, leads me to our next topic in this week's podcast. The uh, Big East presidents are set to meet this weekend in Washington, D.C. An interesting note here, UConn President Susan Herps promised the UConn trustees that she will continue to do what is best for the school in terms of athletics, which is very vague, but she also said that she has committed the school to making the Big East work if it can. And that's something she has not said publicly recently when the Big East presidents and athletic directors met earlier she didn't attend and neither did the athletic director so this is a big statement from her it says look if we get an invite from the ACC we're still gone but the ACC hasn't sent that out yet and so for us we need to make the Big East work in case the ACC doesn't invite us which I think is big because I'm not sure the ACC goes to 16 right away and so the Big East can invite in schools like Air Force and Navy 
which are at the top of their list, and try and get them as football-only members, which at this point to the Big East is a huge deal. They want football-only members, which... I think is a great idea. I think going to football-only conferences just makes sense. I don't know how you're going to continue to do this whole 17 teams in the Big East basketball conference. It's very strange. TCU is going to have a lot of trouble traveling. That's going to get way expensive for them. So I think adding football-only members is a great idea. Teams like UCF, I don't know if they're going to go ahead and do that. Teams like Houston, I don't know. We'll see how it works out. But it looks right now that everyone is pretty stable in what's going on aside from the Big East, which is why Jay Billis this week on ESPN wrote that he thinks the Big East is the one conference that's going to fall before any of the others he thinks they're the odd man looking in when it comes to getting invited to the big conferences and that's probably true they have seven members if the big 12 decides to expand back to 12 which i don't know if they will do i think they want to get to 10 and then from there they'll look over but i think if the big 12 wants tcu i don't know that tcu can resist that they already switched to the big east but the big 12 makes way more sense to them than the big east does geographically so if they get an invite to the big 12 i don't think they'd don't i i think they say thanks big east you gave us a shot but you're at the bottom of the totem pole in terms of bcs qualifiers no one from the big east is going to the national championship if there are two other undefeated teams and tcu can compete in the big 12 i think that's very clear to me right now i think in that totem pole with texas a&m gone they're either four or five i think oklahoma oklahoma state and texas are the three big dogs in that conference but i think tcu comes in right around number four with a&m gone right now this whole expansion process for the Big East should be football only members if you can get them and then geographically teams to make a division with TCU because you want to keep TCU they're probably the second best team in the Big East if they were here right now right behind West Virginia maybe right ahead of USF maybe even the best team because they play better quality teams than we do they played Baylor and Baylor is number 15 right now and you know as a UConn fan you're looking at Baylor and saying we used to play them a couple years ago and they would destroy us this year and you're absolutely right right now through four games their quarterback Robert Griffin III RG3 has more touchdowns than incomplete passes I'm gonna let that sink in for a minute more touchdown passes than incompletions that's absurd and if he's not considered as a Heisman candidate if he keeps this up at the end of the year it's going to be a travesty so as the Big East I'm very happy that UConn is going to go ahead and try to make the Big East work just in case I think that's a great idea I think being proactive is the one thing they need to do and they're doing it and I'm very appreciative of that because it's very hard for me as a fan to sit here and not know what's going to happen you've got two basketball programs that are the women's is the best in the country now and the men's is definitely one of the best in the country so you've got that going for you You've got a football team that went to a bcs game last year and i know there's a lot of oh bcs game we went to the bcs game you know we shouldn't be waving our flags too high because they went to the bcs game i got slaughtered and they were eight and five that year so not the best record but we have a football team that is the fastest growing in collegiate football history we went d1 went to a bowl game went to consecutive bowl games i think it's five in a row now and then capped it off with the bcs game so that's the fastest any team's gone from d1 to bcs in collegiate football history that's at least somewhat exciting we do have kind of the new york market off 
to the side, which is intriguing to other conferences, but the ACC is fighting with Boston College right now. Boston College does not like UConn. That's one of the reasons why they left the Big East. Boston College doesn't want UConn in the ACC. That has been very clear from when Boston College joined the ACC. They don't want UConn. And so if the ACC does want UConn, they're going to have to deal with all of that. So it's in UConn's best interest just to do what's best for them right now, which is to solidify where they are in case it doesn't work out. You build your barricade to make sure you can withstand the storm, even if what you want to happen doesn't necessarily pan out. I like what they're doing. I think it's great that they're going after the ACC. I would love to watch a UConn-Duke game and a UConn-North Carolina game every year. And to be honest, the UConn pick games, even though they've lost a lot of them, UConn pick games are some of the most exciting basketball I've ever seen on television. And then, of course, UConn-Syracuse. There's almost nothing better with, you know, the six-overtime game that I've watched on ESPN Classic a thousand times, hoping, just hoping, that Jeff Adrian makes one of those turnaround jumpers in overtimes three through six in order to win those games. It's unbelievable how hard that is to watch still, and yet you can't turn it off because it's so exciting. So I hope that that happens. I'm not sure it does, and so I like what the president is doing here. I think this is the best possible thing for them to do right now. And, you know, meeting with the other Big East presidents and saying, you know, flat out, we'll leave if we get the opportunity. If not, we're here and we're ready to make it work with you. And I think everyone can respect that right now because everyone wants to leave. West Virginia tried to do it. They got shot down. So they're saying the same thing. We tried. We didn't make it. Now we want this to work because it's in our best interest. All right, looking ahead to the big games outside the Big East this weekend, there's a lot of top 25 matchups this weekend. It makes it a lot of fun to cover sports when you get to watch a lot of great games in one weekend. Alabama-Florida in the Swamp, 3 versus 12. Alabama, one of the most dominating defensive performances I've ever seen against Arkansas last weekend. Nebraska plays its first game in the Big Ten, and it's a big one against Wisconsin, 7 versus 8 at Wisconsin. Wisconsin's run game is just amazing. I I don't know how Nebraska wins that game. Taylor Martinez has been great this year. I don't know that he's good enough to pull that game out. Clemson plays Virginia Tech 13 versus 11. The surprise of the ACC and Clemson beating Florida State last weekend. We'll see how they can continue their run through the ACC against the perennial dominant team in Virginia Tech. And then in one of the more intriguing matchups to me, Texas A&M plays Arkansas in what is the move to the SEC for Texas A&M and the team from the SEC that the Big 12 wants desperately in Arkansas. So we'll see how Texas A&M plays against one of the mid-teams in the SEC who's still ranked 18th. It'll be interesting to me to kind of decipher where Texas A&M would be in terms of their performances against some of the mid-level SEC teams, because I don't think that Texas A&M could compete against an Alabama, against an LSU. LSU's defense is incredible, and I heard a commentator on ESPN say that most of them are NFL worthy, so the athletic Athleticism on that team is just phenomenal, and I don't think that Texas A&M knows really what they're getting themselves into, and that's exciting to me because I'd like to see how that pans out for them. And then another big SEC game, 10 South Carolina against unranked Auburn. Auburn had a tough loss last week. They're playing South Carolina, who looks like they could be good, but have had a lot of trouble with consistency, so we'll see if they can patch those things up. Auburn, not nearly the team they were yet last year, but I think a lot of people are impressed with how this team has come together, so some of the big games this weekend...
finally on the college football slate we have the weekly randy edsel check-in it's my new favorite thing i'm not a bitter person usually but uh i gotta say it does make me happy when randy edsel loses and i think uh i think everyone in the yukon nation understands that i don't know if everyone feels the same way as i do listen i love the coach for what he did while he was here he did an amazing job turning this program into what it is today but the abandonment and the way he went out really left a sour taste in everyone's mouth and so to see temple beat them 38 to 7 just a a great game to watch if you're feeling even a little bit bitter which i was and you know randy edsel lost to temple last year with uconn a game they should have won and they just never really got close in this game randy edsel falls to one and two their only win the first game of the season against miami and that win isn't looking so great anymore either because miami's having a really tough time they lost to kansas state this week so randy etzel's team in a little bit of trouble they're having a lot they're in the same predicament that uconn is in right now and that their record really doesn't put them in a spot to be okay in the future i you know they, they their harder games are to come they play townsend this weekend which is a guaranteed win for this team but then they play georgia tech clemson and florida state three ranked teams in a row two of those on the road they play notre dame this year it's it's going to be really hard for them to come out a bowl eligible team especially in this acc that is better than it has been in a long time and that hurts me to admit because i don't necessarily like the acc very much with what they've done to the big east and continue to do to the big east but it's much improved this year from the past uh and i promised i would share this with you at the end of the game against temple the announcer who was calling the game said so much for pretty uniforms and i don't i assume everyone has seen or, or at least seen a picture of the maryland uniforms and they are pretty out there and outrageous and colorful and all of those things and so i could not stop laughing all right that'll do it for this week's podcast thank you everyone for listening my name is brandon hubbard check in again with the blog and the podcast every week we're now on itunes go to the itunes store go to the podcast section search b hubs that's b-h-u-b-z you will find my podcast you can subscribe and itunes will download these automatically to your computer if you wish to follow that way they're also up on my blog site and you can check them out there i will update that as well with little tidbits as the week goes on so check all of that out thanks again for listening i hope you had a great time and uh, i hope you have a great end of your week and weekend